the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. It's Exploring the Word today, and we are again in Psalms. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're so honored that you are. Uh, Bert, these are troublesome times and a lot of concerns. Of course, the whole wide world is watching the events unfold in the Ukraine. Um, last night I went to an Ash Wednesday service, and we prayed for the situation in the Ukraine. But, you know, whenever life has us in a, a time of fear and danger— uh, it is so good to go back to the Word of God, to remember all that we have in Jesus. And the Psalms, I just believe, are an especially good place to get the comfort and reassurance that lets us know that we are safe in the arms of the Lord. One of the reasons I wanted to you and me to go through some of the Psalms was for my own benefit, Alex. I'll be just mm-hmm. uh, kind of selfish on that. Uh, the Psalms have been there so many times in my lives, my life when I was kind of confused, needed direction, needed help, needed comfort, and the Psalms have been a blessing. Let me say, the book of John has done that as well. Those two Mm -hmm. books in my life, far as comfort, uh, has done so well. And today, Psalm 27, just let me start out by reading uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, and then you can comment and go anyway. Just let me read them, and I think it has set the tone for the day. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. Alex, um, a lot of people think uh, this is immediately right after that David wrote this psalm is the time that he had been anointed king and, and the possibility of, of you know Saul coming against him was real. And I love the first line, the Lord is my light and my salvation. For as I know, now, it's been inferred before this, but this is the very first time uh, one or two of the commentators said, and I didn't go back and check because I never thought about it, about the Lord being my light. Uh, Now, we find that over in the, the Gospel of John again and again, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, Alex, he brings light into the darkness, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He really does. And, you know, when you think of the word light, you think of illumination. And there's not only the, uh, the pushing away of darkness so that we can see, but there's, there's discernment. You know, the Lord is my teacher. The Lord is my instructor. The Lord is my guide. Uh, and do you know what they call Jesus? Rabbi, which means teacher. Um, in so many ways, you, you know, you could do a pretty good Sunday school lesson on the ways that uh, God is our light. Um, hey, we would be in darkness if it weren't for him, you know, uh, our, our light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, isn't that a really good question? And 
look, God knows we're we're humans and we've got concerns and fears. But listen, if if the Almighty God is for you, do we really need to worry? We really don't. I mean, uh, do we really need to be obsessed about what might happen to us if God Almighty is our caregiver and our Lord and our leader? Do we really need to be afraid? Actually, we really don't, do we? We do not. And I, I'm going to go ahead. This is Psalm 27, but let me read Psalm 37 as a commentary on what you just said. Uh, Psalm 37, which is, uh, I think it is my favorite Psalm. I, I got several, but Psalm 37? Yeah, I love 37. Oh, yeah. Just let me read that as a commentary on that. Don't you think? Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, you could go on reading, but I'll stop there. Alex, that's the reason. Whom shall I fear? Uh, You know, God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our light. He's our salvation. Um, (laughs) We... uh, you know, uh, that, isn't that a friend, <laughs> brother? You know? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let me, we're in Psalm 27, folks, if you're just tuning in. And um, Bert, uh, Bert and I have a good time ruminating on the Word of God. All right. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Okay. The word stronghold in the, in the Hebrew language there. It really means a place of safety, a place of protection. Okay, the Lord is the strength, the stronghold of my life, my sanctuary. One of the renderings of that word was uh, deep in the soul of a man to whom we're all indebted, Bert. I know you you might know where I'm going with it. The word stronghold is fortress. And there was a man named Martin Luther and a very famous song, and they called it, you know, the Song of the Reformation. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And, you know, uh, that song, it was something that German Christians sang throughout the Reformation. Um, and it's a, a song, the lyrics are amazing. You ought to look at that song, you know, uh, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. One little word shall fell him. But all of this, one, the stronghold of my life, again, uh, we run to Jesus because he is our fortress of safety and joy. Look at verse 2 and look at the first word. It's important. It's not if the wicked come against me. It is when. Alex, the wicked one, Satan himself, and many of those that he will use, those that he would influence, they will come against us. And so when the wicked come or came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And Bert, I, do, you, do you mean even born-again Christians sometimes <laughs> have trouble? Well, let me tell you, I, I've walked with the Lord. Now, I'll I tell you how I saved when I was 12 years old, and I've lived a life of 50-plus following Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, yes, the answer is yes. And read the Bible, Alex, and listen, the Apostle Paul, have you gone over that list lately, what all he went through? 
Let me see. He was beaten with stripes. He he was Three stoned. Times. He was shipwrecked. I mean, more than you could ever dream. And uh, and God is with him. Uh, following Jesus doesn't mean an easy path. It means a yeah. good path. It means Amen. you're going in the right direction. So the wicked they come against us, and they let me just say this: they try to devour us. They try to do us in. And then verse 3, it says, though an army should encamp around me. Alex, the wicked, the army, you know, what is the word? My heart shall not fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, though a war rise against me. Now, is this escalated? You catch what I'm saying? They, the wicked come against me, my enemies, and then an army, and then the war rise up against me. Uh, it sounds like it's escalating in uh, the difficulty that David is, is sharing with us. You know, I often wonder, have you, have you ever wondered New Testament leaders, Luke and Paul and Peter and James and John, how much they knew of the Old Testament? And no doubt they knew lots about it, um, because the New Testament refers to the Old Testament literally hundreds of times, uh, at least 300 times and, and much more. But you know, you mentioned Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, where he talks about the fact, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five and following, three times I was beaten with rods, I was a night and a day in the deep, shipwrecked, you know. I mean, imagine being out in the cold sea, treading water, not to drown till sunrise, you know, constantly on the move, danger of, of uh, bandits or you know, danger of robbers, danger of my own people, Jews, Gentiles, uh, danger in the cities, uh, danger from false believers, people who claim to be believers but aren't, labored and toiled without sleep, Paul says, thirsty, gone without food, cold and naked, Uh, besides everything else, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, I've often thought about that, but he said, you know, in none of these things have I been overcome or lacked, and I don't know, I've, I've often wondered about how they, they might have been thinking about Psalm 27. Paul might have been thinking about that when he wrote this, but, you know, enemies, armies, war, even then I'm confident. But like a lot of the shorter Psalms uh, and how yesterday we were in Psalm 30, I believe it was, and it changed gears, I think in verse 4 it, it sort of changes gears. It's laid out the Lord is my light and my salvation, verses 2 and 3, even though we've got trouble, dangers. By verse 4, uh, there's some really good encouragement for the heart as it the 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 tone of the, the word sort of changes gears, doesn't it? It does. Now, he gets to it in verse 5 or in the time of trouble, but it's not compounded like it is. Uh, troubles have enough for a day, uh, much less many days. But notice this in verse 4. I I underlined it. One thing I've desired of the Lord. One thing. What is it that I that that will I seek? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now he is talking about here dwelling, and and it's talking about being with God, being in His presence, being there with Him. Now in the in the because of Pentecost, Jesus sent in the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He dwells in us, and we've become the temple of God. But 
the one thing I desire is to have that relationship with God. Alex, uh, I don't think that's changed. The one thing is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else stems from that for the believer. The relationship with your wife, your children, the relationship with your boss, the relationship with the church. It comes from that one thing, that relationship with the Lord. And in place of dwelling in him, he dwells in us. What a promise. Hallelujah. Does it kind of remind you, uh, verse 4 of Psalm 27, sort of uh, reminds you of uh, Psalm 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Yes. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And, of course, Psalm 27 says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. You know, when you reflect on the Lord, um, that's one thing. Bert, you ever uh, been in some churches where before the worship service starts, it's just quiet, and you sit there in the quietness, and inevitably you think about Jesus. Amen. Um, that's That ministers to, to any soul that's willing. It does. Verse 5, before we go to break, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. Uh, again, it's not as active in the difficulties as it is in verses 1, 2, and 3, but here he comes back and he says, The advantages of this one thing with the Lord is him taking care of me, he hides me, He cares for me. Two times he says he hides me. We're going to come back and find some more of David's rejoicing in the Lord. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Nuria Fernandez, Acting Administrator of the Federal Transit Administration. Her agency provides financial and technical assistance to local public transportation systems. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the importance of serving others. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Nuria Fernandez in her work at the Department of Transportation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Prayer is supposed to be an intimate two-way conversation with God. But Dr. Tony Evans says the way we do it sometimes is neither intimate nor a conversation. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Have you ever been trying to have a serious conversation with somebody and other folk interrupting? And you have to say, especially to your kids, I'm not talking to you. Like the boy who was praying out loud, he was screaming, God, I believe in you for a bicycle for Christmas. I know you're able to give me a bicycle for Christmas. You're the great God. The mother heard him screaming and said, boy, God's not hard of hearing. You don't have to scream like that. The boy said, yeah, but grandma is hard of hearing. I need to hear this prayer. Because a lot of times we're not talking to God. We're talking to people using God's name. 
God says, I want a conversation with me, with no competition, because you want to be with me as your father. It's a conversation. Conversation involves a dialogue. A dialogue is more than one person. So I don't just want to hear what you want. I'm not an Amazon order. Don't carry me around in your pocketbook or wallet like a AAA card. I'm there in case you have a flat. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in a relational communication. And if you're going to come clean, you're going to have plenty to talk about. It won't be vain repetition. So I'm going to give you a private place where it's just you and me. And when you do that, he says, I will meet you there. I will see you in private. Discover how prayer can grow from a ritual into a relationship with the help of Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we've been praying each day for the situation in Ukraine. We're praying yes. for the citizens. We're praying for those men and women who are standing strong, and we're also praying for those Russian citizens that have been expressing uh, their desire for this not to happen, and we want to do that today. Alex, I just am compelled. Uh, we, we should pray and and I know people are, but we felt like on Exploring the Word as much as any other program here at AFR that we go to the Lord in prayer concerning these, uh, especially those believers that are there. Many of them are brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, it just, every time I see pictures of what's taking place, the children that are being killed, women that oh, are being know. killed just as they are striking citizen uh, apartments and places of employment. And so I, I just feel compelled to pray, and I know you do as well. Yes, and I was just reading that uh, the civilian casualties and even the children uh, dead in this invasion probably has been underreported, and uh, just a lot in the news. I think everybody's probably keeping up with it. But yeah, Bert, do you want to lead us in prayer right now? And folks, we're in Psalm 27. We will open up the phones and speak live with all of you and take calls in a moment. But Bert, right now for, for the Ukraine and those precious people, a lot of Christians there, very strong Christian presence and a lot of missionaries in the Ukraine, and we really need to, to stand with them in intercessory prayer. Bert, would you lead us? Thank you, Alex. Father, I, I want to pray part of Psalm 27 that we're going over for the people of Ukraine, that you would be their light, that those that know you, that they would understand that you are there. You haven't gone. You haven't exited. You are there. Father, I pray you would be the strength of their lives. I pray that those believers would rely upon you no matter what may be coming their way, bombs, bullets, what may, that they would look unto you. And, Father, uh, wickedness has come upon them. Uh, verse 2 speaks mm. clearly. Enemies have come and for no reason, and the army is trying to surround them. That's the exact word. They're encamping around them. Father, I pray that you would help them, that they'd be strong. I pray 
that you would bring protection for them. And I pray for failure on the part of evil. Father, I pray that their plans would come to naught. Yeah. And, Father, that they would back up. And, and, Father, even some of those soldiers that we've heard that have purposely, uh, you know, ran out of gas, Father, caused damage to their vehicles so that they wouldn't be a part of this. I pray that their numbers would increase. And, God, I pray for the, the Russian citizens, especially those that are seeing the evil in this, I pray that you'd protect them. They're in a country where uh, the those in power would just take them off and may not hear from them again. So, Father, I pray for them, and I pray for the missionaries in both of those countries, those yes, people yes, in Ukraine, yes. those missionaries that we know that have been to Russia. We've talked to many of them and the people. We've been here, and there's a difference in the leadership and the citizenry. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would help them. And we trust you, and we pray that you would help the leaders uh, of Eastern, uh, of Europe, Father, uh, those that are close and those even further west in the United States. And 141 countries would say this is wrong. And I pray the pressure would meet upon uh, the on Putin, Father, and he would back off. I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, we agree with that prayer. We say a big amen. And, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, we just need to, we need to pray also for the, the rest of Europe. Um, there, there's a lot. And I, I just want to say I'm, I'm really glad that with today's issues and a lot of the presenters on AFR, there's a lot of really good commentary. Um, but we, you know what? We might not be over there on the ground like uh, so many are, but we can do our help in the battle and we can pray. We sure can. And and again, Psalm 27, uh, Psalm 91 is a good one for that as well. Psalm 27 is a good one. Uh, Now, listen to verse 6. I think it continues on. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I'll sing praises to the Lord. In the midst of the enemies coming against them, he's holding his head up. I will sing praises to the Lord. Alex, uh, is there a time, is there any time in anyone's believer's lives that we should not be praising him? Oh, no, all the time, all the time. Anyway, I love verse 8. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn away. Uh, I like in verse 9, do not reject or forsake me, God, my Savior. This is one of the references to the word Savior in the Old Testament. That, you know, much of the Old Testament we know about God the Creator and God the Sovereign Leader. But um, here's that precious word, Savior. He he is our, not only the Creator, the Lord, but He is our personal Redeemer, isn't He? He is. And seek my face. Does that sound something like Chronicles? If my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek my face. Here it is again, seeking the face of God. And notice in contrast to verse 9, hide your face from me. In other words, you turn your face around. Uh, We want God's approval. We want him to look upon us and let his face shine upon us 
And, and, and so I agree with you, Alex. Uh, do not turn your servant away in anger, you know, uh, for you're the God, you're God, my Savior. And notice mm-hmm. verse 10, it speaks really well. When my father and mother forsake me, or if they forsake me, when they do, the Lord will take care of me. And in other words, if your mother and father forsake you, Alex, I think that is probably the most detrimental rejection that you could have. You catch, yeah. you, you know, yeah. and he says, when that happens, the Lord will take care of me. What a promise, brother. Amen. Well, and you know what? I've known people that when they became a believer, uh, they were ostracized for, from their family, and that's that's a hard thing. And for those of us, you know, Bert, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and, uh, you know, being a Christian was not a radical culture change. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a, a radical life change, but, you know, I grew up in, in the South when it was very, very favorable to be a Christian, but for some people, I think of people with an Islamic background, or even yesterday I um, interviewed a lady from Belgium, grew up in a very atheistic background, and there are people that when you give your life to Christ, I mean, you're <laughs> excommunicated from the family and the community almost, and I, I think about the price a lot of people really, really do pay for being a Christian, makes me appreciative of the fact that, you know, I was in a, a relatively pro-Christian culture, but it says, when father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And you know what? Let me just say, friend, if you think you're standing alone, you're really not. God is standing with you. Now, I've always loved 11, Psalm 27, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, lead me in a straight path because of my oppressed because of my oppressors. Now, there's a couple of things here. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. For one thing, because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> it's the God-honoring thing to do. We, we want our ways to be pleasing in the Lord's sight. But also, one of the reasons that we need to cleave to that narrow path and live life God's way, be, it says, because of my oppressors. Uh, Bert, we need in all situations of life, to cleave to the Lord, but especially when you've got people and circumstances that could drag you down, uh, you need to cleave to the Lord all the more tightly. Psalm 27, Alex, you're exactly right, is uh, it's showing how much all the way through, yes, verses 1, 2, and 3 open up with it, as I said, the pressure and the difficulties and the enemies compounded. But all the way through, verse 5, it talks about, for in the time of trouble, and, and when I cry unto the Lord, when I need help, uh, when, you know, I'm forsaken, and here again, when, when your enemies uh, come against you, your oppressors, uh, the adversaries, but that, though, that first line in verse 11 is so powerful. Teach me your way, O Lord. And other, he is the way. And, and he said, teach me to walk in your ways that I might follow you that, as you said, Alex, that narrow path. But it's the mm-hmm. Lord. He is talking about this personal relationship that he has. Uh, he's talked about, you know, we was talking about earlier, my Savior. And here we talk about my Lord, teach me your way. And it's, it's not my way. I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. But we have to be taught. We have to be led. 
because on our own, Alex, we wander at the best. We meander, you know, (laughs) and, uh, but here it is going, lead me. That's the word. Deliver me. That's so, aren't those beautiful words? Deliver me, lead me. Well, uh, well, listen to this, folks, and, and this is where the Word of God is so insightful. Here's something written a thousand years before the birth of Christ, and it gives us insight today. All right, the uh, New King James, um, I'm sorry, the NIV renders verse 12 this way. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Uh, that's the way the NIV renders it. Bert, what, what do you have in front of you? Do you have the King James? In front I have of the you? New King James. Do not deliver me out of the will of my adversaries. For right. false witnesses have come up or risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. Again, verse 12 has that, and I, I know I'm overusing this word, but I can't think of a better word, this compounded pressure. Alex, you catch what yeah. I'm saying? Adversaries false witnesses, violence. And, and well, this is a tragic, difficult time in David's life when he is writing this, and he has experienced the presence of the Lord, where even like we said in verse 6, I will praise the Lord. It sounds like Paul in the, in the jail, at, uh, writing uh, the Philippian letter, you know, and he's mm-hmm. in jail, possibly and probably in Rome. Some people think he's in Ephesus, but probably Rome. And he's saying, what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The theme of the book of of Philippians when he was in jail was rejoicing. It seems like this Psalm 27, when all the pressures around him, is praising the Lord even in those times. Well, exactly. And and listen to this. I want to, before we forget verse 12, deliver me false witnesses such as breathe out violence. Some say, or malicious words. All right, breathing out violence. You know what the word is there, folks? This is amazing. The violence that they breathe out, the word is Hamas. Now, <laughs> where have you heard that oh, word? It it's, sounds very familiar these days. It's it's the, the government of, of Gaza, the Palestinian government, that they're always lobbing bombs over to Israel, the word Hamas. I mean, could you imagine uh, in the the Palestinian territory over there that you're? The, what are we going to call our government? Well, the civic entity. To, no, let's let's name our government violence. Isn't that something? Mm. But yet there are people that um, wed themselves to that which is evil. But do you know what God? Even when those are around, whether it be Israel or we the church, and those who breathe out Hamas against us, violence, God is with us. Now, I love verse 13. Amen. <laughs> um, hey, if, if you see nothing but trouble, it's easy to feel you know, depressed, hopelessness. I love verse 13. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> but the way I read that, if, if I couldn't lean on Jesus, I think I would just implode. I think is you, that is that a fair way to that look at is it, Alex. That okay, we're going to do what we've done. I think every day this week we're going to go back to John six when everybody started walking away from Jesus, and Jesus said to the apostles, "Are you going to go away also?" And Peter answered, 
where would we go? You have the words mm. of life. I think David had that same attitude here and said, unless I had trusted you, believed you, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's going to be about me. Even though death is all around me, my enemies, they're stacking up against me, I could see the goodness of the Lord. Alex, uh, have you ever heard you, you, you see what you look for? Oh, yeah. I yeah. think David's looking for the goodness of the Lord, don't you? A absolutely. A absolutely. Um, the, and, you know, I love, I love so many of these old songs, you know, um, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. There's a great song um, that says, come to Jesus, you know, weak and weary, sinner lost and left to die. Raise your head, love is passing by, come to Jesus. And there's this um, lyric in there. And it says, with your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye, go in peace, and laugh on glory's side, and fly to Jesus, fly Amen. to Jesus, and live. Amen. Well, yep. all through life, and for all of us, you know, Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die. There's going to be a day that we do leave this world and make it a habit now that every moment of every day, every waking moment, you're just communing with Christ, and one day you're going to wake up in his very presence. But you will, verse 13, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, today, tomorrow, and always, we can depend on Jesus. I think it's a little bit of self-talk in verse 14. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm not seeing it right now, but I'm waiting because he does come through. He really does, and he'll come through for you. We're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Whenever he lies, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The CDC has been collecting information on COVID hospitalizations for more than a year, but the agency has withheld most of it from the public. What's more, the agency seems to have selectively published information to support public messaging about boosters. According to the New York Times, when it published its first significant data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults, it conveniently left out the numbers on 18 to 49-year-olds, which showed that age group was the least likely to benefit from boosters. This is why no one trusts them anymore. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Everyone is a boss of someone. Even if you don't run a company or manage people, every time you step up to a fast food counter, for just a brief moment, the server works for you. That makes you the boss. God requires that we treat the people who work for us with fairness, patience, generosity, and kindness. As a manager, a boss, or even a customer, you have a platform from which you can show Jesus to those who are watching. And you have a boss in heaven. So treat your employees with the same kindness he shows you. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is alive. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to go to the calls. The number is 888-589-8840. 888 Hey, Bert, i got to tell you something. There is a wonderful church called Fellowship Church, the Fellowship of Huntsville, Huntsville, Texas. And tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to be there with Will and Mickey Addison. And I'm really excited about this. Fellowship of Huntsville, and their website is F-O hc.org fohc.org as in fellowship of huntsville and uh, on saturday beginning at 9 a.m we've got this um wonderful family and parenting conference and bert i'll be preaching on sunday morning and so um you know hey i'm i'm honored to preach but i'm excited to hear mickey addison goodness this it's gonna be good you think Mickey, I have something to say? You really do. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Will and Mickey Addison are a national treasure, Amen. and uh, you know, folks, um, we—it's uh, a joy. I probably travel more than most of, you know, um, Abe Hamilton and Will and Mickey and Ed. I know all of the the folks you hear on AFR do some traveling. I'm—I guess I'm the. The one that probably you travel more than, more than anyone. You, and Alex, I love you, it. you win that award. You do. But yeah, if you happen to be, this is near Houston. The, um, as I understand it, maybe like 50 minutes from the Houston airport. But uh, come on out to Fellowship of Huntsville. And I know we'd all love to meet you this weekend. Hey, Amen. I hope you can do that. You'll enjoy it. I just got to say this you know, you and, you and I are both Baptist preachers. The first three callers is Joe, Joshua, and Jeffrey. Now, what all do they hey, have in common? They, all... Hey, listen, uh, God can't bless it unless it's alliterated. That's right. So our callers are alliterated, and the first one is Joe from Arkansas. Joe, welcome. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. 
Um, I have this question. I just recently read the story in Matthew where Jesus' disciples were going through a field of ripe grain on the Sabbath, and they were hungry, so they picked some of the grain and ate it. And the Pharisees came against them, accusing them of violating the rules of the Sabbath. And I thought it sounded to me like they were also stealing somebody else's grain. So how come the Pharisees were only concerned about them violating the rules of the Sabbath and didn't also accuse them of uh, stealing somebody else's grain? Okay, Joe, great question. The whole idea is you got to go back in time. And what was considered stealing or what was concealing caring for those that were traveling through? Uh, do you remember Ruth? Uh, she would glean in the corners, but someone passing through and no hunger, Alex, they could stop off and they could get some of that for themselves for their nourishment too. That was part of the culture acceptance, wasn't it? It, it was back in, uh, uh, well, Ruth chapter 2. There was a principle, and, and you you make a good question, a good observation there. You know, in Matthew chapter twelve, they go, and the reason that Jesus and his disciples weren't reprimanded was because they had the principle of gleaning, that you know you purposely would leave some, and you know even down south, I know farms have gotten so big, but it used to be uh, the uh, sled row, and I, some of you southern, fellow Southerners, you're going to know. And I'm old enough that we we were taught this. Where the tractor goes to pick corn is called the sled row, S-L-E-D. And those stalks get pushed down. And my dad and granddad told us, don't don't pick out of the sled row. And you know what? That some of the, you know, there were poor people around. That after you had picked a field of corn clean, you let somebody who was needy pick the sled row. And that was the principle of gleaning, wasn't it, Bert? It was. Even in my time of growing up here in northeast Mississippi, uh, there was a man that lived. He he didn't. He was old and didn't have a lot of money. And my dad and my neighbor, they asked him, "Hey, come get pull your corn, green corn. Uh, go to a pea patch, pick those peas." And he did it. But he thought he would do more than that. He not only got it for himself. He knew of some widow women. And he picked theirs and took it to them. And my mom, my dad was not just all right with it. He was excited about it. And yeah. my neighbor yeah. as well, using that food that was more to share with others. But Joe, that was, was, that was uh, not just a custom. That was the way it was. And so that's the reason. And so thank you for your good question. Uh, let's go to Georgia. Joshua, welcome. Thanks, Alex, for taking my call. Hey, Alex. Can you have Esther yes, on the program every once in a while? It's nice to hear her barking an answer for a question or a comment. God bless you, my beloved dog. You know what? It's so funny because, uh, like, last week I was doing uh, some morning radio for AFR, and um, the mailman went by and rattled the mailbox. And, oh, my goodness, Esther, she she likes to bark. So uh, Esther's doing well. Uh, brother, I owe you a book or something, because anytime I can talk about my little dog, I'm happy to do it. Okay, Marty, get Joshua's uh, address yes. if you can. We'll see what you can uh, get, Joshua. Now, I'm going to have Esther autograph a book for yeah, you, Yeah, Esther, brother. put that paw print on there. Now, the other day okay. we were doing Exploring <laughs> the Word, and there was a crash, and you said something about it. your cat got into something. I'm so sorry. Okay, I have this little bookshelf, <laughs> and I, I have these little cans I put change in. So I got one I put pennies in, 
And what I do, you, you come in, you have some change in your pocket, pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, you know. About twice a year, I'll empty it out, and it's, you know, $20 and change. Well, Alexa the cat decided those uh, cans of coins needed to be turned over. <laughs> and last week, it, that crash was Alexa. Uh, and it's it's just uncanny how they decide that um, they need their own show. But, you know, one time... And by the way, folks, this is exploring the word, and I know it's not. <laughs> it's not pe- animal kingdom, is it? <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll post all these things about, you know, biblical worldview and apologetics, and they'll get a dozen likes. I put a picture of Esther on Facebook, and it got 30,000 shares. <laughs> Seriously. So You were on. Anyway. Esther was on <laughs> Trivia Friday. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Carruthers uh, called Tim and said, uh, "John Carruthers, yeah, you need to ask the trivia. What is the name of Alex's dog?" And uh, <laughs> that was even on Trivia Friday. Hey, Joshua, are you still there? Oh yes, yes. Did I'm you have a question? We loved your comment, trail. but do you yeah. have a question? Oh yes. All right. Now I wanted to talk about something that I mentioned Friday about suicide. I was listening to this and I said, "You know what? I need to add something to this." I struggled with drug and alcohol addiction for 10 years. Come to find out I was bipolar two, two years ago. I tried to commit suicide 10 times besides Mm. suffering from several overdoses. And my question is, how do I, and I asked my dad this, how do I find my specific purpose? Because I'm saved through all this to find my specific purpose. Thank you. Mm. God bless. Oh, Joshua, thank you for that. Let me, let's share with you two things. Purpose, God's purpose for you and God's will for you. God's purposes for for you is salvation and to glorify him forever. That is God's purpose for you. His specific will. Let me just say this, and Alex, you take it away. He will not waste anything, even you surviving those times of trying to commit suicide. He will not waste the difficulty of you being bipolar and you getting help. He uses that. Alex, um, and, mm-hmm. and usually, have you noticed, God usually uses the difficulties in our lives to point yes. us in a direction for his will for our lives? Well, brother, I want to say thank you for calling in, and, and please do give us your, your contact info because I, I want to send you a book. But Second Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Okay, listen to this, because none of our pain is wasted, and your journey and your circumstances. See, all these things we go through, and we come out standing with the Lord. It shows us the faithfulness of God, but it prepares us for ministry. Now, now it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Listen to this who comforts us in all our troubles, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. So sometimes we say, and and everybody listen to this, because um, whether it be through addiction or depression or violence or whatever deep valley, you go through it and you come out on the other side with the Lord. And someday... You're going to come alongside somebody else, and you can legitimately say, look, I understand. I was right where you are, and Jesus carried me up and out of it. And Bert, I often think that we, 
when we look at life through that lens, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, God comforts us that someday down the road, perhaps, we may be able to comfort somebody else with the same comfort that we ourselves got from the Lord. Um, I've, I, I, I couldn't say to a drug addict, I understand, because I've never really been there. But I can definitely tell somebody who's gone through family bankruptcy, uh, the bank came to put us out one day. Um, my mom and dad almost split up, and they turned to the Lord through the Charles Stanley show, and ultimately I, my sister, mom, dad, all of us came to Jesus. So, Bert, some have gone through the deep, dark valley of, of cancer or you know whatever, but we often go through these things Yes, to learn more about the Lord, to bring us back to Christ, but it, it could be preparation for some way God will use us to touch somebody else's life. Joshua, serve others. I'm telling you, if you've done it under the least of me, Jesus said, these, you've done it unto me, and uh, serve. Hey, Joshua, call back so we can get uh, your phone, your address for sure. Call, call Marty wants to get that down. Hey, uh, thank you again. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Jeffrey, the third J this day. Jeffrey, welcome. How y'all doing? Doing well. All right, well, first of all, Joshua, hey, man, it's a long road. You just do what you do. And like Bert said, you, you manifest yourself and others, and all will be well. Alex, uh, I, can, I can relate more to Joshua's story than your story, but it's all the same. I mean, sin, yeah. sin is sin, and it's hard. But first thing you got to get back to is love. I mean, uh, I did have a, I, I had a question about how y'all felt about grace of Christ. I know Hebrews, Hebrews and Romans and uh, Galatians, but and, and I understand, I understand it, but. I want you to tell the people what you feel about the grace of, of Christ. We're not under the Mosaic law no more. Amen, Jeffrey. Praise God. Hey, using the acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Another one is the unmerited favor of God. Jeffrey, you, me, Alex, Devin, Marty, we... <laughs> There was no deserving on our part because of who we are as sinners. But God looked beyond that need, uh, that that sin, and saw our need. He saw that need, and he sent Jesus. That's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Alex, say a word about grace. Uh, well, it, it's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? <laughs> everything for we Christians. You know, Colossians 2.14 talks about that by the blood of his cross, Jesus blotted out the handwriting that was against us. And, you know, what was the handwriting that was against us? The indictment was this, that the, all the countless ways we had infractions against the law of God. And, so, and we couldn't fulfill the law. We were guilty of sin, and yet there was nothing we could do. And when I think about the grace of God, um, unmerited favor— God's riches at Christ's expense. We're set free. You know, I mean, 
salvation, and folks, if you've never turned to Christ, let me just say right now to everybody listening, the Lord Jesus is as close by as a prayer, and God loves you, and whatever you have done, he will forgive. Whatever has been done to you, he can heal. But the grace, the love, the undeserved abundance, God says, your sins are forgiven. You're no longer guilty. You don't have to work. And it's not about performance. It's about your new status as my my child. Bert, um, if we could run around and turn cartwheels of joy, grace really ought to motivate <laughs> us to do that. We're free in Jesus. Amen. And he loves us. Oh, my goodness. That's worth being happy about. It is. And, Jeffrey, it it is heard in your voice, brother, that you've experienced that grace Hey, Dennis, we're, time is running out, but I see your question, and I'm just going to pose it to Alex real quick. Alex, Jesus healed 10 lepers, and only one came back to thank him. Why? Well, uh, I, I think it's just the, the natural heart of ingratitude that we have. Um, and let me just say true, grat- true gratitude Authentic appreciation really should manifest itself in something of a changed life. And so um, I, I want to hear what your th- thoughts are, but, you know, everybody's willing to receive the gift, but very few are willing to invest the obedience. Look, it, with, the, with the privilege of sonship comes the responsibility of discipleship. I, I want to tell you, Ingratitude, unthankfulness is is a sin that will set you on a downward spiral. In the book of Romans, it talks about it. It says, when they saw God, they neither were thankful, and they became vain in their imaginations. Not being thankful sets these men. They were on a pattern. One came back. Not only did he get healing. He got that which God had more in for him, and that's life. Uh, I, I think that's the way it is, Alex. I agree with you. But, mm. man, I want to tell everybody out there, look at life, find something to be thankful for, and it will help you and strengthen you. Alex, it's Fire Away Friday tomorrow, brother. Hey, folks, be ready with your questions. You can call in tomorrow, 888 Tell somebody about AFR. Tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Association or American.